Hello, everybody, and welcome back to Toddler Purgatory. Molly Lloyd here. What up? What up? <laughs> what up? I'm Blair. We're excited to be here. Hi, Blair. Hey. Today we're talking about cool, fun, different, wild, brilliant. Wild. What? Not so brilliant. Just wild. Wild. Yeah, everything in between. Parenting customs from different places in the world. And the thing that inspired this is that Blair just spent a couple of weeks in merry old England. Sure did. 16 days to be exact. Holy snikes with her family, just her, her hubs, and their two kids. All of us. All 16 All of you. All y'all. All y'all together. 16 days, nonstop. That's so much time, she said, as her voice hit weird peaks that only dogs could hear. <laughs> That's so much time. It is a lot of time. It was fantastic. It was a lot of time, and it was a lot of energy spent. Yes. But it was really great because we were in the UK and then we got to visit family and see different things and it was awesome. That's pretty awesome that you have family there to visit because a lot of times those of us when we're lucky enough to be able to travel that far away you're just kind of on your own. Good luck. I mean we were on our own after like a couple of days. Oh yeah. Because they were like we don't have kids. We're not the biggest fans of kids. <laughs> Bye. <Sing it. laughs> no they're huge fans. They're huge fans of kids and they were really really awesome and amazing and sweet and great hosts. We were really lucky. Wonderful. And the reason why this inspired it is because I said, Blair, while you're over there, see what, you know, take note maybe of what you see that's a little bit different. And you said you did see some things. I did. Parenting wise. Yeah, I saw. The good thing is that when you travel to Europe or the UK, you know, there's a lot of like inter country traveling. So you get people from all over the world you know, kind of in the same spot. So we first were in Devon in the English countryside. That's where my husband's cousins live and we were staying with them. And then we went to Cinta Parks in Longleat. And then we went to this really great place where I did most of my observations in St. Ives, which is the coast of England. Gorgeous. So we went there and I was able to just kind of like listen to and that was the thing like there's a lot of people from Scotland and Ireland and Italy and France and Spain like so many people so I was hearing so many different accents and languages and just kind of like you know looking around taking notes are these like expats or are these people who were visiting like you or both or combo probably a little bit of both but it seemed as though a lot of people were just on vacation like us also, is St. Ives also the company that makes shampoo? Sure is. Do you think it's affiliated? And the I think the idea is that, yeah. I kind of it's like get that feeling of being in this English seaside resort when you every time you wash your hair. That's an interesting point that you kind of got to observe some of those things. Although I do want to put in a little plug for the fact that when one is on vacation, no matter what country they're from, sometimes our parenting is all over the map. All over. <laughs> so to speak. All over. When we're on vacation. Yeah, that's hard. I mean, it's like, I mean, really vacation is just doing the exact same thing you do in a different place. Yeah. And sometimes you see different things. (laughs) And you stayed mostly in Airbnbs. Yes. We stayed in nothing but Airbnbs because hotels were out of control. Oh, it's wild right now. Insane. But here's something. This is just a side note. We were looking to go to Fort Lauderdale to visit my brother for uh, Thanksgiving. Guess how much tickets are? Yeah, just from here, New Jersey to Florida, just a two-hour hop. It used to be two fifty. I'm guessing six hundred. Try adding another zero onto that two fifty. No, no. Yes, yes, Molly. And we kept saying the entire time we were over there, we 
got our whole family here for about that much. For one ticket to Fort Lauderdale. For one ticket to Fort Lauderdale. Like, that just goes to show right now how cuckoo bananas. Everything's cuckoo bananas. Traveling. Insane, isn't it? $2,500 for a plane ticket to Florida. So right now things are crazy. But the good news is that just sort of in recent times in the last 20, 25 years, nowadays, not being part of that, global travel has increased. So what that also has done is increased parents' interest in global parenting. So that has introduced this idea of what can I use or take, or as I like to call it, steal from other cultures, from other countries in their parenting ideas and practices that works for them. So this has sort of been on people's minds uh, more recently because global travel has increased. Obviously, the internet has helped that as far as the amount of information you can get and what you can learn about other cultures and other countries. And of course, we know that the reason that there are different customs and traditions and routines and parenting practices in other countries is simply because culturally, the way that we see family is different in different countries. The way that we see the role of an individual in a community may be different. Some cultures around the world are much more community-focused. And therefore, from the time that their kids are born, they are taught that it isn't necessarily about the emphasis on the individual and the independence and the the striving of that individual, but how can that individual contribute to their immediate community and the wider community as well? Because um, you have to admit, living in America... Mm, not so much. Mm. <laughs> and we're kind of feeling that, right? For instance, in an article in USA Today entitled American Moms Creating a Parenting Melting Pot, they talk about how parents in Western cultures tend to emphasize individual achievement and independence over other values. This is according to a team of pediatricians from Boston University Medical Center writing in the journal Pediatrics uh few years ago. They say Western parents offer frequent praise, may favor verbal feedback over close physical contact, and promote independent behaviors. Children are encouraged to think critically, question the status quo, and distinguish themselves from others, whereas many other cultures, particularly Asian, African, and Latino, the paper notes, put a higher value on collective achievement. They expect children to obey authority, share their possessions, and place the needs of the family and community before their own. Ding, ding. Here's something that I observed. And this is also me having lived and grown up in Europe. Yes. There is that thing of, I find that European kids or that kind of culture, and maybe it is because it's like so, it's such a melting pot. Yeah. They're good sharers. Because we were at the beach in St. Ives. Mind you, it was so cold. But these people, they don't get like summer summers, you know, like hot summers. So they take a 68 degree day at the beach and run full force into 48 degree weather. I mean, into 48 degree water. Oh, so you mean like treating it like summer, like I'm going to wear my bathing suit. Oh, bathing suits galore. I mean, and I love it. Just beaching. Meanwhile, Blair is on the beach fully in a scarf. It was embarrassing, but she's wearing a scarf right now as we're recording, by the way. I'm listeners. wearing a scarf right now. Real cute. What day is it? September 7th. <laughs> You're welcome. <laughs> Fall's about to be sick of me. <laughs> but they are really, I noticed that when the kids were on the beach, you know, there were kids everywhere just like making tunnels and, you know, castles and whatnot. And it was like, there were toys everywhere. And it was just kind of a free for all. Everyone could share. Everyone could get in. It was great. And 
you know, my first instinct as a mom, especially was like, well, whose is that? Ask if you can use and everyone was like, no, 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 go ahead. No, 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 go ahead. No, 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 go ahead. And they even came, came back to the Airbnb with a couple things. I was like, whose is that? And, and, and my husband was like, first of all, calm down. He was just like, they were at the beach and the, they let the kids have them. And I was like, I love this. I love that. And it was a lot like that growing up too, where it was like a lot of sharing. And something else that I noticed was, oh, lots of affection, lots of kissing, lots of hand holding with older kids, you know, and like just lots of affection and just being really affectionate. And I noticed that actually I noticed that too last year when we went to Portugal and I'm a mush. So I, I love that. Kind I would of have stuff. openly wept a lot. <laughs> I would have been like, it's so beautiful. It's so beautiful. It's really lovely to see like older kids, like let's say between the ages of like 10 and 15 like walk hand in hand or like body linked with their moms and their dads. You know, it's really like... And their friends too. They don't have these hangups that we have. No. They don't have these hangups of like, oh no, this teenage boy can't hold the hand of this other teenage boy because people will think they're gay or whatever. Like they don't have those hangups. It's so gorgeous. Molly, can I, I have such a side story, but it's exactly that. When I moved from Germany to the States, I remember this is like my like... After a week of school, I'd made a couple friends and I linked arms with someone. Because mm-hmm. that's what we do. It's the European way, right? We link arms, we go places, we linked arms, and they immediately like jerked away from me. And I was like, uh, what just happened? Yeah, are we in a fight? What did I do? Yeah. <laughs> and they were like, that's gross. Don't do that. Ugh. And I was like, what? I'm not trying to be gross, girl. I'm trying to be your friend. It was so weird. It was so weird. Physical, physical affection. I think it's getting better here, but I do remember that from when we were kids. I hope it's getting better here. I hope it's getting better here. Yeah, yeah. Very just like, and I was like, oh, this is, I'm in a new world now. Yes. The new world, as they say. But that's something that I did observe, which is really sweet. I love love that. that. That's so, so sweet. And that's another great reminder I liked from this article I read in the Toronto Star, a professor of psychology and cultural anthropology at Duke University in North Carolina named Dr. Lansford. I didn't write her down her first name, my bad. But the article is called Mothers Love Differently Around the World. This is a professor who has surveyed uh, like 1,400 mothers and children in nine countries. And she writes that she acknowledges that her research makes cultural generalizations and cautions against drawing sweeping conclusions because there is significant variation within countries and cultures. So that's one thing I want to remind our listeners of, too. And I reminded myself in doing this research, which is like, we're going to say some things that are, quote unquote, done in countries. It doesn't mean that every mother or parent does them. It doesn't label that country in any way, but it might give us a clue or an indication or a hint to what is important in that community and in that culture and how they do things and what traditions have stuck around. I think that's an interesting thing about travel, too, is that we learn certain things. And then when you travel, those things we learn are blown out of the water, aren't they? And we say, oh, that that is exactly what I read about. And this is completely the opposite. That's because we can't make generalizations about travel, about people, or even about our own family. What's going to work from one kid to the next? Yes. And she says, there's no one way that's better than another when we're looking at the different ways that people parent in different countries. They're just different ways of approaching family relationships and different ways of understanding children. So we're just looking for perspective here, not what's that word like hard hard lines. You know what I mean? Like, oh, you have to do this or else your kid's going to not do well in school. There are no hard lines in parenting, right? No, never. You think there are from a lot of the stuff that we see on Instagram. (laughs) 
Yes. Oh, God, so many rules. So many rules. Well, the other thing, too, I read this article in USA Today called American Moms Creating a Parenting Melting Pot. I already mentioned that one earlier. So this woman named Sarah Shop Sullivan, who's a professor who teaches child development courses at Ohio State, she says she makes sure her students read about parenting philosophies elsewhere because, and I quote, the idea is not necessarily to adopt one of these perspectives, but to calm down because there are different ways to do things. <laughs> That's the best. The best. Just calm down. Maybe calm it down. Just calm down. I was like, she was talking to me. Because, <laughs> of course, you see these things, and it's not even necessarily keeping up with the Joneses per se, but it's like, we all want what's best for our kids. We all want our kids to grow into good adults. It's worldly. Everywhere. <laughs> it's worldly. No matter how we do things, that's what we all want. And so you read something, but you and I always kind of, you know, with hearts in our eyes, talking about the Scandinavian school systems and how wonderful the education systems are in Finland. So, yeah, maybe we can adopt some of those things. Maybe they'll work for our family. Maybe they won't. But I tend to fall into the trap of, oh, if we're not doing those things, then we, I'm, we must be doing it wrong. Ooh, Molly girl. Hashtag I get that. Yes. Or like I found myself, you know, like I found myself. We went to a playground and we did five days in London to finish off our trip. And we went to a playground and there was a couple moms there. Molly, this was us. I actually thought of you and I should have texted you, but it was like three o'clock in the morning your time. There was a couple moms on the playground. They were eating some cheese and drinking some wine. No, you stop it right now. Molly, I swear. And I had, but I just got teary. Listen, I got teary watching them because there was such an ease. And one of them was English because I was like, one of them was Italian. She was Italian. That was my second guess. And how do I know this? Because I was not watching my children. I was just standing behind their table, <laughs> stalking them like a weirdo, wanting so desperately to, for them to have an extra glass in their bag, which you know what? I'm pretty sure they did. I bet they did. You know, that stuff is communal. Oh, but it was just like the ease in which they were just like at this table, enjoying their wine, eating their cheese. Their kids were just like playing on the playground. I was just like, oh, that just doesn't happen at my playground because there's just like there's so much judgment or fear of judgment, fear of judgment, but also judgment. It's like we talked about in our episode on playdates, too, is like. You got to figure all, out all that stuff before the play date because every parent is so different. Also, to be frank, people's relationship with alcohol is different, too. Those women obviously have a good relationship to alcohol, as I believe you and I do, and would know. <laughs> in a good way. A in real a good, good way, relationship. Way. No, I mean it in a good way. Like, we would not. We're also like real, you know, we're attentive parents, so yeah. we obviously wouldn't get crunk. We'd get like, we would get like mom crunk. <laughs> we would have a half a glass of Cabernet and be like, like, yes, baby. Woo, yes. Want to get another seesaw, Molly? <laughs> <laughs> but mom, we're already on it. Get off. Get off. It's our turn. <laughs> uh, when we come back after the break, we are going to continue our conversation about this and we're going to calm down. We're going to maybe... Take what works and leave what doesn't. And no matter what we know and think and works for us is best for our kids. Stick around. When you bring your child home for the first time, you want a baby monitor you can trust. When you choose Stork, you choose technology trusted to monitor 10 million babies in hospitals every year. Stork continuously tracks your baby's pulse rate, oxygen saturation, and temperature. Visit MassimoStork.com to learn more. Stork. A revolutionary baby monitor is born. Stork is not a medical device. Read and understand all product labeling. Massimo data on file. 
I'm Margaret. And I'm Amy. And together we host the podcast, What Fresh Hell? Laughing in the Face of Motherhood. Margaret, I would say you're sort of a where are my keys kind of mom. Correct. Sometimes a where are my kids kind of mom. (laughs) Well, you're Amy more of a we were supposed to leave 35 seconds ago, mom. I mean, touche. In each episode of What Fresh Hell, we come at a topic from our usually completely opposite perspectives. I bring the research. And I bring kind of the gimlet eye. Like, is that research really going to work, people? And almost 10 million downloads later, we're still laughing. We also talk to experts in the parenting field, plus parents with stories we can all learn from. We make each other laugh, we challenge each other's assumptions, and we have what we think is the best parenting community on the internet. Check out What Fresh Hell? Laughing in the Face of Motherhood wherever you listen to podcasts. Welcome back to Toddler Purgatory, where we're talking about how... Moms be doing it around the world. How parents be doing it around the world. Yes. I got, I have something so funny to tell you, Molly, besides the lovely women that I was stalking on the playground. I wonder if the hackles on the back of their neck were raised because they were like, <laughs> sometimes I feel like somebody's watching me. And she is watching Hi. me. Hi. <laughs> Hi. 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 BYO glass. Don't mind if I do. I like cheese. <laughs> So there, I was having one night when we were in St. Ives where I was like so frustrated, you know, as we do. It was just like one of those things, too, where I felt like the entire time I remember I looked at my husband and I was like, I don't think we've had like a real conversation because I feel like the entire time we've been on this vacation, I've just been like, stop it. Sit down. Come here. Can you knock it off? Can you be quiet? Calm down. Come here. Shh. You know, that's all I felt like I was saying. And one night I was just like, oh, I've had it. And St. Ives is this little tiny village right on the the seaside. So there's these narrow streets and people are always just kind of like walking by. So our windows were open. It was like nine at night. And you could just hear people walking by. And I'm just like buried in, in my pillow, like screaming. And all of a sudden I hear this mom like in the background and she's going, Will you just come here? Will you just get over here? And I was like, Ooh. It's okay. Kaka, it's Kaka. me. I'm on your team. She's like, I'm just, it's the back and forth. I just can't take it anymore. Just come here. She was, it was like my English and she was so frustrated. And then I peeked out of the window to see her and she had a cocktail in her hand. <laughs> oh my gosh. I'm so into she it. She had a cocktail in, But she was just like so frustrated. She had a cocktail in her hand and then she had like some like tubes from the beach. She was just like, oh. And I wanted to be like, it's okay. But then that would have been like really weird. I was just a weirdo on this trip. I love but it. I felt her. Yes. And I was like, oh, the frustration is also international. It's universal. <laughs> How many times have I said to my son in the last 24 hours, fourth request of whatever I want him to do. Fourth request. You need to work on your first time listening. And I wonder what like what that would be. <laughs> In England, what that would be in Kenya, what that would be in whatever, you know what I mean? Right, right. Oh, that would be, that'd be an interesting study. Yes. What is the version of that? <laughs> now, Blair, I'm excited to get your take on some of these things that an article in Very Well Family, just looking at parenting styles from around the world, on what you think we could adopt into our own lives, what would never work for us, <laughs> or one that you go, oh, and when I'm in that country, I'll do that, but here where I live, or in my, you well, know, that it wouldn't work for me or my family. Maybe not. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so one of them, this is interesting. Babies in Denmark stay outside and nap in their strollers while their parents shop or dine. Hard yes. 
Hard yes for me. Hard yes. Done. Yes. 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 Sleep away. Sleep as long as you need to. Get up. Catch some Z's, kid, while I catch some deals. (laughs) And it says, nowadays, many have high-tech monitors in the strollers. So you know they're... Oh, shut up. Yes. You know they're glancing at their Apple Watch while they're, they have, you know, or whatever, while they have, or their phones while they have a monitor in the stroller. Hard yes. I love it. I love it. Mm-hmm. And um, that it's good for like the immune system. That's why they do it. That they're outside. Yeah. Getting all the... And also so their parents don't go crazy. And there's not a bunch of babies crying in a store. <laughs> I love it. Well, I th- but I do think you're right. Because the next thing is babies in Norway and also like Sweden and Finland, those places, nap outside. They bundle them up and put them outside for their nap. And it is exactly what you said. They believe exposure to cold weather builds endurance and immunity. I say bundle them up, baby. Bundle them up. We used to bundle our kids up and take them on, you know, walks in the stroller. Yes. Had it been okay here, I would have left them outside. (laughs) Well, I went into H&M. But actually, you know, Dr. Oz, he's very problematic. However, one thing, yeah. But one thing I did remember about when he pre-problematic Dr. Oz is he had some good ideas. And when he went on Oprah and one of them was when his kids just had common colds. They weren't they didn't have the flu. I don't believe they weren't like really, really, really sick. But when they were fighting a cold or something, he would always bundle. He has like 43 kids, six, whatever. And he would bundle them all up and they go all go outside to play basketball together, including the kid who was fighting the cold. Mm-hmm. So that they got the fresh air, they got their blood pumping, they got their immune system, you know, strengthening. And he said they always got over it sooner. I feel about Dr. Oz like I feel about Caesar Milan, the dog whisperer. They have, they're so problematic. Dr. Oz is problematic to me personally now because I live in Pennsylvania and he's running f- in Pennsylvania for sale, but from New Jersey. Okay, yeah, he does not reside in Pennsylvania. But I will say that we can still get nuggets of knowledge that are good and work for us from people who, ultimately, whose overall philosophy is not good. So that was a nugget I got from Dr. Oz and a nugget (laughs) I got from Cesar Milan, which really helped me with dogs that I walk at the shelter and also my own dogs and stuff, which is no talk, no touch, no eye contact. So you ask people when they visit your home to like maybe take a treat and throw it for them so they know you're a source of treats. But until they get used to, to you, don't look at them, don't talk to them and don't touch them and they will come to you and that has always worked for me that is so off topic that works for me yeah i love it (laughs) it works for blair (laughs) and for molly too not just dogs don't talk to me don't look at me don't talk to me until i come to you yes i'll come to you when i'm ready or not but throw me a donut yes (laughs) (laughs) that's so true the next one is kids in Finland get frequent breaks from school. Now, as we discussed earlier, Finland does have one of the best education systems in the world. So maybe we're doing something wrong, everybody. Hmm, maybe. Yeah. They say in Finland, elementary school kids take a 15-minute break every 45 minutes. Yes. With more frequent breaks to move around and play, Finnish kids are thought to be able to keep better focused on their work. Let me tell you this, Molly. Yep. As you know, my kid went to a... Scandinavian school. Yep. This is how they did it. Yeah. This is how they did it. Constant breaks. And also, they are very much, it's also Reggio Emilio. That's a, the type of like school program. Yeah. Yeah. Program. Yeah. They also didn't. Or philosophy. More of a philosophy than a program. Excuse me. Yeah. Philosophy. Yeah. And it's also on top of like taking frequent breaks. There is nowhere that the kid has to sit. Mm. Like if they're doing a lesson or something, they can sit in the little, you know, 
pillow fort area or they can sit at the table or they can sit on the floor. That was like another thing in order for them to be comfortable. Yeah. Or if they needed to like stand up in a corner and jump up and down, they could do that too. Yeah. Get their yayas out. Get, yep. Yep. That's great. Oh, I love that. Right. Well, isn't yeah. Finland also the school or maybe it's just kind of part of that philosophy too where they, didn't your son spend a ton of time outdoors too? Oh yeah. This is a, yeah it's all play based outside. It's like forest. No matter the weather. They say there's no such thing as bad weather, just bad clothing. Yeah, it's true. They're right. Kids in Hong Kong, India, and Taiwan, they don't go to bed at 6.30, 7, 7.30. They go to bed at 10 p.m. What? Hard no. I'd say a hard no, although my kids would love to live in Hong Kong. So would mine. For that reason. Mine does in his brain, and that's why it's such a struggle from 7.30 to 8.30 to get him to go to sleep, because he's like, I should be in Hong Kong right now! And I'm like, me and you both! Oh, wait, so what time do they wake up then? You know, they didn't get into that. Good question. Oh, good question. Yeah, do they only get eight hours of sleep? That's actually a really good point. Or do they sleep until eight thirty or whatever? That's a really good question. That's a problem. Um, it says parents in New Zealand and Australia, and I would venture to say many parents in United States have a bedtime around seven thirty. Parents in Hong Kong, India, and Taiwan put their kids to bed around ten p.m. It does not say when they wake up. Here's the next one. It's not going to become as a shock to anyone. Kids in France savor their meals. Oh, of course they do. Come on now. Of course they do because they know what's going on. Children in French schools are given a 30-minute minimum to eat their lunch. And yes, and many schools offer a much longer time to sit at the table and lunch breaks are often followed by leisurely playtimes. Now, let me tell you something, listeners. I don't think we talked about this yet on the pod, but perhaps we have. My kid just started kindergarten this week. Cue the waterworks. Cue know. the waterworks. Okay. You're right. Yeah. You're right. You're right. Okay. I actually, okay. but the first 60 seconds after he left, I doubled over on the sidewalk and wept openly. <laughs> but then I kind of got it together. I was too tired to not get it together. I was like, I just got to get through my day. Why does he get picked up so early? But they have the same thing. So he's going to a friend's school, which is a Quaker school. Mm-hmm. And for their lunch slash recess time or whatever, they get 60 minutes. So they go outside with their lunches. The lunch tables are underneath like an awning. And unless it's straight up storming or straight up thunderstorms, they will go out. I have rain boots and a rain jacket for him in his cubby or whatever. They go out, they eat their lunch under the awning, and they can either chit-chat it up or they can go play, whatever they want to do, and they are not expected back in for 60 full minutes. I love it. All right. I love it. And they do Fridays in the forest when they spend the whole day in the forest as well, that six hours in the forest. I mean, think about it. Like, you can't, like, just look at your toddler. Look at D now. I look at my five and three-year-old. Yep. They can't sit still. There's no such thing as, like, walking anywhere. We skip, hop, jump, leap. Scoot. Scoot, bike, run. Yes. There's no walking anywhere. So it's just like... To have a kid sit down all day long or, you know, for eight hours, no breaks or one break. And the kids who can't sit still get punished. That doesn't seem right to me. It's insane. It's a little bit insane. Whether they're just kids or or whether they have a, a spirited quality to them or what have you. Like, I, I hope it's getting better out there. Oh, God. I hope so, too. There's so much pressure on teachers to be everything and do everything. And it's just a lot of pressure. But shout out to teachers, as always. They are our... You can be my hero, baby. This just in, just looking this up because I had to go back to it because I'm really curious. Do it. Kids in Hong Kong, they get 10 to 13 hours of sleep. So that just means that things are starting late. Like, I guess school's starting later. You might be right. Which is not a big deal, right? Okay, so school starts at nine. Oh, gosh. They stay in school till what? Two, three, nine, ten, eleven, twelve, one, two, three. Like three or six. Yeah, three, six, seven hours of schooling. 
Makes sense. Whatever. Yeah, I love it. Um, also, one of the reasons why in France they have a longer time for eating and outside time and stuff, it says French parents believe it's important to slow down and savor meals. Mm. Oh, God. I love you, France. I love you, France. Mm-hmm. And they want their children to practice slow eating from an early age. I love that. Great idea. No need to rush. And also, it keeps them at the table. It increases your bond with them. You're chatting it up. Oh, my gosh. I love it. You know, that's something else that I noticed is that a lot of families were out yeah. to dinner. And the kids, there were very few iPads. There were very few. Everywhere we went, though, I must say, almost everywhere we went, we had crayons and workbooks and stuff. Paper yeah. given to us. Oh, given to you at the restaurant or whatever. Oh, that's great. Yeah, I love it when restaurants do that. Which is so smart, right? It's just like, but pretty much everywhere we went. But something that I did notice was just like kids were sitting and having conversations and or just eating or, you know, talking to each other. Yeah. Just being with their families, talking to each other, just being with their families. And with little, I mean, granted, every now and then our kids were like, I was like, give them the phone. I just want to eat. I just want to eat. I want to eat in peace. I just want to eat in peace. I just want to eat in peace. That's all right. That's all right, too. It's all right. But it is funny. It's sort of like when we went into a restaurant once, a really great brewery that we love in Wilkes Berry, Wilkes Bear, Wilkes Bar. And we walked in and a, a table of kids had iPads out. Number one, I empathize with those parents. I get mm-hmm. it. And unfortunately, number two, then that's when my son sees that and wants suddenly wants to get my phone or my iPad. And he says, but they have theirs. Mm-hmm. And I have adopted this phrase, which I don't know if it's good parenting or not, but I'm like, it is none of my business what those, that table's doing. Absolutely. It's none of my business. What they do yeah. ain't what we're doing. Yeah. Here's your workbook. Here's your crayons. But mom, I want to play a game. I want to go to Italy. We can't always get what we want. Can't always get what we want. We'll be right back. If you're a parent, I invite you to join us at the Mindful Mama podcast, where it's all about becoming a less irritable, more joyful parent. With sometimes hilarious and always thought-provoking experts and friends, at Mindful Mama, we know that you cannot give what you do not have. And when you have calm and peace within, then you can give it to your children. I'm Hunter Clark-Fields, and I can't wait to see you there. Listen in to the Mindful Mama podcast. Hey there, I'm Debbie Reber, the founder of Tilt Parenting and the author of the book, Differently Wired. The mission of Tilt is to change the way neurodivergence, whether that's having a learning disability, having ADHD, being gifted, autistic, or some combination of all of the above, is perceived and experienced so differently wired kids and the parents like us raising them can truly thrive. On the Tilt Parenting Podcast, I get to talk with authors, therapists, educators, and parenting experts who are committed to this mission. I ask the questions my listeners are most curious about when it comes to supporting our kids. And in turn, my guests share strategies for challenges, out-of-the-box ideas for navigating school, best practices for therapies, tips for advocating, and so many thoughtful insights on what it really takes to help our kids grow up feeling seen and respected so they can create awesome lives for themselves. I know that raising a differently wired kid can feel overwhelming and isolating, but I promise you, you are not alone and it can feel so much better. If you're on this parenting journey, come listen to Tilt Parenting. Together, we can shift this paradigm and show up for our exceptional kids with hope, possibility, and joy. Hey, everybody, we're back. We're talking about parenting styles and different parenting traditions and traits around the world. Ah, some of them sound brilliant. Some of them, I don't know if I could do it. And I'm sure they feel the exact same way about people in America because we're absolutely nuts. Here's something interesting. Kids in China toilet train 
real early. Okay. I can see that happening. Yes. It says parents begin their children's toilet training soon after birth. Oh, okay. Yes. And wear something called open crotch pants. Okay. Okay. When outside, children may squat or be assisted by parents when they need to go to the bathroom. Okay. But they don't need their pants lowered and they don't need diaper changes. Ultimately, kids become toilet trained faster because they are into the, when they feel pee or poops coming on, they squat, right? It says diapers have been used more widely in China in recent years, but in many rural areas, parents continue to use open crotch pants. You know what? Listen, you know what that sounds like to me is just like the oh crap method around here where four days they're essentially pantsless walking around your house. Right. But this way they're outside in the open. Yeah, Listen, but protected. I think it's a great idea. I think it's a great idea. I, I do too. I think it's a great idea. You know why? You know why I think it's a great idea? Because potty training a boy, for me, this is a personal Potty training a boy versus potty training a girl has been a little bit difficult. Ah. And what I would give for my little girl to have crotchless pants. And because it's easy with a boy, you're just like, oh, I got to go pee pee. Okay, great. Let's go find this. A tree. You know, oh, yeah. Tree, a bush, whatever. You know, not so much with a girl. Not so much with a girl. And then there's like, you know, things you got to do. It just be nice. Crotchless. All right, cool. And they start to get that. They get the feeling. They know what it feels like. They get the yeah. feeling. It's so interesting. And it's the instant like squat. So then it's not weird going to the bathroom. And I know in, oh, I've never been to China, but we went to uh, Hong Kong. Their public restrooms are squat. So it's cultural. It's what they do. Easy breezy. Listen, my okay. suggestion, open crotch pants for everyone all the time around the world. <laughs> everyone. I mean, why not? It's so much. Have you tried to take down your jumpsuit in a not so great bathroom and you're holding the sleeves <laughs> and you're clutching it between your knees while you go to the bathroom so it doesn't touch the floor? Hey, mm -hmm. I have always advocated, though, because I'm a jumpsuit girl, I have always advocated for drop down flaps in the back on jumpsuits. There's no reason there's not. There's no reason. Great idea. There's no reason. There's no reason. They make spanks without crotches. Yes, they do. Dicey. There we go. Little dicey. <laughs> Little dicey. Appreciate them? Yes. Yes. Can maneuver them effortlessly? No. Mm, not so much. Not so much. It's like a little tight and a little, and after like dancing in my spanks yeah. for a couple hours, yeah. they scooch and slide in places. So then when <laughs> I, so then when I go to do the squat, yeah, whew, that hole isn't where it is. right? It's not really where it's supposed to be. <laughs> Appreciate it? Yes. Functional? Here's the last one we're going to talk about. Kids in Liechtenstein start school at age seven. Oh. Yes. Wow. Hard no. Already. Sorry. I don't need any details. Okay. <laughs> seven? <laughs> we got to stay here in my house? No break till you're seven? No. Well, this just in. If you're Liechtensteinian and <laughs> from Taiwan, they're going to be... At home till age seven, staying up till 10 p.m. <laughs> good God. No, thanks. So sorry. <laughs> ah, okay, that's a good caveat, is that they can choose to, not to send their kids to school until they're seven. The later start to school doesn't seem to slow down their children's educational development. However, Liechtenstein reports a 100% literacy rate. I mean, here it is. Yeah, I know. You know, it's like kids are sponges. Mm -hmm. Unless there is some developmental delays or issues, a lot of the times your kids are going to go to school and they're going to soak it all up and it's going to be real fast. So I totally get that. Yes. And they have the first seven years of the life 
of the life of the life to, they have of the life they're at home <laughs> they're with their parents <laughs> also to learn how to learn as we've discussed on this pod before True. learning how to learn True. is huge so yeah i agree and by the time i mean that makes listen i bet teachers here in this are like good idea because you get to school at seven you know how to pee pee and poo poo on your own you know how to clean yourself mm-hmm. you know how to fend and advocate for yourself you can you know if <laughs> you get that way <laughs> yes Totally. You know what I mean? I mean, if I was a teacher, I'd be like, great, good idea. There's so many things, so many things that teachers have to deal with their kids. It's so great. Well, you know, as we talked about in the beginning of the episode, these are all fun little tidbits from different countries around the world. Some of them are a reflection of culturally what's important to them, whether it's fostering independence because, you know, you live in a capitalistic society like United States, fend for yourself. <laughs> or if it's more community and family oriented, which maybe we could, mm-hmm. I know I could use a little more of a dose of around here. Mm-hmm. A mm-hmm. great book, which admittedly I have not read yet. Do I own it? Yes. Did my husband also order a copy and also has not read? Yes. We have two copies in this house. No, we have not read it yet. However, I did hear an interview with the author on What Fresh Hell podcast. So look that up. It's amazing. She wrote a book called Hunt, Gather, Parent, What Ancient Cultures Can Teach Us About the Lost Art of Raising Happy, Healthy Little Humans. Her name is Michaeline Duclef. And I'm going to read that and get back to you all on the pod here. But they, I did hear an interview with her, a couple of them. I think another podcast interviewed them too. I can't remember who. But the interview on What Fresh Hell is really great. And they go into a lot of this stuff as well. The ways that parenting has changed here in America and some things maybe we can change our way of thinking about our own parenting as well as not judging other people's parenting, about what may work for our families as well. So that's a little plug for that interview on What Fresh Hell and also for the book I haven't read yet, but man, that interview tells me that I should. <laughs> Is it an audiobook? Because I'm all in. Yes, Hunt, Gather, Parent. Done. Yes. All right. Yeah, cool. people love it. And oh, as always, sound off to us on the What Fresh Hell podcast Facebook page. It's a great community over there. If you get a chance, rate and review our podcast wherever you listen to podcasts. And we're just really thankful for all of you for going on this parenting journey with us. Yeah. And listen, I'm curious, chime in with the things that you've seen culturally in different countries or where you may live. Let us know. Throw that on the Facebook page. Let us know, you know, different things you go about doing things or you've seen or what works for you. I'm curious. Yeah, same. And also feel free to go to the toddlerpurgatory.com page or on the Facebook page, and let us know what you're thinking. We got a wonderful message from a listener named Kelly on Facebook who writes, Today's Toddler Purgatory episode on postpartum depression slash peripartum depression slash baby blues was just what I needed to hear. It's been so hard for so long, and it feels like the universe keeps piling it on. Hear, hear, sister. I appreciated hearing Molly and Blair talk so openly about this important topic. I was ready to rage flip some tables at the end along with them. (laughs) Yes, you're always invited, Kelly. To rage flip some tables with us. Please, please. This episode had me laughing, crying, and feeling validated that this experience is hard and very real. Thanks. Hashtag toddler purgatory. Kelly, you made our day. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Wow. That means a lot. Yes. So thank you all for listening. Thank you, Kelly, for writing in. Feel free to, to drop us a line or a rating or a review. And we'll see you all next time on Toddler Purgatory. Take it easy.
feel like you're the martyr in your family, you're not alone. Hey, this is Joanne. And Brie. And we're from the No Guilt Mom podcast. Brie, we talk to a lot of moms. Yeah, we sure do. And if you're a mom who has a to-do list that is so massive that you get overwhelmed and you shut down. Or if you fall into the habit of doing everything for everyone and don't know how to change it, we can help you become a no guilt mom. We're going to take you from family martyr to family model. That's role model so that you role model the behavior that you want to see out of your kids. You're going to go from being tired and overwhelmed to energized and guilt free. Every week, you'll get actionable strategies that you can implement right away from the experts that we interview and from us. We also have a whole lot of fun. So check out the No Guilt Mom podcast everywhere you listen to your favorite shows. Hey there, I'm Debbie Reber, the founder of Tilt Parenting and the author of the book Differently Wired. The mission of Tilt is to change the way neurodivergence, whether that's having a learning disability, having ADHD, being gifted, autistic, or some combination of all of the above, is perceived and experienced so differently wired kids and the parents like us raising them can truly thrive. On the Tilt Parenting Podcast, I get to talk with authors, therapists, educators, and parenting experts who are committed to this mission. I ask the questions my listeners are most curious about when it comes to supporting our kids. And in turn, my guests share strategies for challenges, out-of-the-box ideas for navigating school, best practices for therapies, tips for advocating, and so many thoughtful insights on what it really takes to help our kids grow up feeling seen and respected so they can create awesome lives for themselves. I know that raising a differently wired kid can feel overwhelming and isolating, but I promise you, you are not alone and it can feel so much better. If you're on this parenting journey, come listen to Tilt Parenting. Together, we can shift this paradigm and show up for our exceptional kids with hope, possibility, and joy.